Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. I remember um, often at the end of the retreats, it's not like this anymore, but at the end of the ret- of retreats, I would, um, I would um, get very f- kind of fearful and, um, and uh, I would cry, I think, uh, a lot. And always thinking like, don't let me out yet, you know. This being is going to create so much damage with their own consciousness, you know, and their habits of re- reactivity and all this and... You know, often I would stay in the woods the last morning, you know, and just like, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Um, while a few uh, hours before, during the retreat, I just wanted to go. <laughs> 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 you know, opposite, opposite needs, <laughs> wants. And, um, you know, it's not easy to be with uh, oneself and one's uh, neurosis, if we can call it like this, you know, as well. You know, it's yeah. It would be much better to go back home and dump it on others. You know, have others take care of all our <laughs> neurosis. You know, impatience, anger, reactivity. And here, you know, in the silence, we're we're we have to sit with it. You know, <coughs> and and the silence uh, provides that also because otherwise, here we could start fixing everybody else. You know, uh, you, know you should do this. You should. And now we're. St- kind of stuck with our own uh, inner life, you know. And so we have to find uh, a way out inwardly, you know. We have to find a way to accompany this uh, being. And so I think, yeah, it's known to be noble what we're doing here, because um, something, I'd like you to check this out to see if if you, you feel the same, But what I'm noticing is when I'm with uh, conscious beings, I feel much more safe because I know that they know what's happening for them and where they are and they're aware of the environment. And, you know, the consciousness can be here like this, but it can be also they know what, you know, uh, what's happening in the society. They, you know, if if I'm with somebody unconscious, um, I feel like I have to carry what they're not, carrying, so, you know, they'll say, you know, like, no, I'm not a- angry at all, no, I'm not angry, you know, I'm like, well, you are, I'm conscious of it, <laughs> you're unconscious of it, you know, so I, I have to do the work for you, you know, in a way, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so ways to, to carry things is, uh, even that I've noticed sometimes, uh, uh, you know, and I, 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 so, uh, yeah, well, let's see how it unfolds after I've said that. But um, sometimes at the, I, I have there's two different um, ways that uh, gratitude is expressed. I mean, there's probably a lot of nuances in there, but uh, kind of two ways that I see. Is some, sometimes somebody's uh, kind of uh, uh, is holding well their gratitude, you know. So they'll say, hey, "Thank you so much for the retreat." You know, it meant a lot. You know, and I don't feel like I have to carry anything. You know. It's, uh, it's it's a free it's I'm freed you know and another person will come and they're like oh my god it was so great you know <laughs> I'm like okay I have to carry this you know because it's hard for them to carry and I can do this that's part of the of the the, the role you know but uh, I'm saying this to highlight like how you know you could say oh um, you know even with beautiful emotions you know how I mean I've certainly been uh, known to been uh, be uh, unable to carry well joy, you know, which become exuberance. And it's just like too much energy in the room, you know. Like, And I, I actually, one time that I became really aware that I had to become aware of joy and carry it well, was uh, one time I was extremely joyful and somebody came who was feeling differently and they were trying to, and I kind of moved them, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> literally, you know, they said, oh, there's some, I was like, move out of my, you know, <laughs> and and then we had to process that, of course, you know, because that was not uh, careful, caring, and uh, conscious, you know, 
And so, uh, and you, we're human beings, so of course it's going to be very messy. But we come to a place like here to carry our shit, you know, our load, you know, and be responsible for it. So we don't. I mean, I hope this language works too, <laughs> because that's what's going to happen. We're going to dump it on others, you know. And so, uh, and so here we come and we learn, and it's not easy at all. And we're going to fall many, many, many times. We're going to have to be very forgiving, but still, that's the the way I understand the kind of process we're in is to hold stuff so that, you know, I can say, hey, wow, I'm really triggered and really angry right now at what was said. I actually want to talk about it. Uh, I need to process it. I'm, you know, oh, we can, you know, it's there. It's not denied. It's not suppressed. And it's not lashing out, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, the middle path. We're mindful. So that's what we're doing here. We're, we're not uh, hiding stuff, suppressing stuff, denying stuff, and we're not also following everything, you know, caught in everything, in all the trances. We're walking, walking this fine line of being aware, oh, this mind is disturbed by this. Wow, really disturbed. How am I holding this? You know? And I won't say it enough, not easy at all. So... You know, it would be easy also to, you know, understand this and, you know, you come out of here with more tools of self-hatred. You know, <laughs> I'm not mindful, I'm not, you know. It's very easy. This could be turned into a weapon of self-loathing very easily. That would not be a right understanding <laughs> of what's uh, happening here. What we're aiming towards is responsibility. You know, we're an extreme would be identification completely. All this describes me. I'm like this. I'm like no. It's there. <coughs> it doesn't describe me, and also I'm not unconscious of it. I'm conscious of it. Therefore, uh, I can become responsible of what's happening in this um, in this uh, system. Um, So, um, wh- uh, one way that the, the development of practice um, uh, unfolds is, um, uh, so there's this uh, wisdom we could use as a synonymous for wisdom, discernment, the capacity to discern between this and that. And a lot of the discernment is around uh, uh, qualities of, uh, of heart, you know, how to which one to actually nurture and which one to abandon or, uh, or how to go and get in one, uh, in one particular mind state the gold, kind of retract out of the, this mind state the gold and not keep uh, what could be harmful for myself and others. You know, sometimes anger has a lot of clarity. We see that something is not working. So can we extract the intelligence and let uh, be able to discern and uh, and uh, let go of the abuse that could come with the anger, you know. And so that's one needs to be extremely conscious to do this. It's not easy. Huh? We know how it is when we feel suddenly justified and self-righteous and or or threatened, you know. Like it's, you know, the response to have a clean response is not going to be easy. That's why we come to a training ground like this you know, to be able to in the middle of being washed through by uh, shame desire not to be or some, to actually uh, uh, re- uh, keep the, the, the clarity the kindness the, the discernment of what to believe what not to believe what to act on what not to act on you know how to uh, and um, one thing that I see uh, uh, being developed in, in us, in, in me, and in practitioners, uh, you, is that uh, even when the mind is challenged, or maybe moderately challenged, where usually we would uh, lose a bit of our values, you know, we don't like to think that, we're not, you know, but that's often what happens, is I, I, uh, I'll, I'll forget about 
the other. The other is a sensitive being deserving of respect. I might forget that easily with emotions. I might, uh, or I might forget about this person here. You know, I might easily not consider that there's a being here with needs and stuff like this. You know, and we have different tendency, maybe de- depending on you know conditionings. It could be family, you know, gender or any other kind of status we've been given in society that you know prompt us to react in certain ways and and uh, but uh, with practice what i f- i feel and i'm so grateful for and it's maybe why um, i cry less at the end of retreats <laughs> and i you know i don't have to wish it didn't end you know i feel like i can actually go back it's going to be messy but i can actually go back i can be responsible and uh, is because it feels like there's more access to values. You know, there there can remain alive even if uh, you know, and it's shaky, and it, of course it falls apart here and there. But at least a little bit more access to uh, uh, values, a little bit more stability in values instead of values being there when it goes the way I want. You know, when it goes the way I want, oh yeah, I'm honest. But if I suddenly want something and I feel I'm not going to get it, honesty, out <coughs> the window. You know, I'll rearrange reality to get what I want. You know? and, so, uh, and so this allows us maybe to live more accordingly to our values. You know? So of self-respect, of respect for others, or maybe truth, or um, um, yeah, respect, all this. Um, and the way the practice develops is one aspect of uh, discernment is the capacity to recognize opportunity for practice. So we might think at the beginning, it's only when I'm on the cushion, or it's only when I'm at the nostril, or it's only if I'm at the belly, or if only if I'm sweeping in that direction, the experience. And suddenly we discover, oh, it could be while eating. Oh, it could be while walking. Oh, it could be while going to work, taking the shower, brushing the teeth. It could be, oh, it could be in the middle of the w- being washed by impatience. Oh, it could be relational. It could be while I'm with others. This one. Oh, it could be with my partner. Ah, oh, you know, it could be while cooking. It could be with my child at this moment. It could be with my uh, annoying bus, you know. Oh my God, I never thought (laughs) it could reach that far, (laughs) you know. Or whatever else is the situation you're in, you know. It could be, ah, right before this phone call. That could actually be really good. Right before this phone call. Or right before entering this door of this room where there's going to be somewhere, somebody there. Or it could be, as I'm closing the door and going down the stairs, that might be really good to check in right now, you know. And the range of what is, uh, we're invited to be known, we're invited to know in practice, there's a a range. In the Satipatthana Sutta, the discourse of the Buddha that is central to the teachings that we're receiving here, it's very well laid out. Body. We can always be aware of body, and it can go through posture, not in terms of uh, improving the posture, that is, it's a little different. It's extremely simple. Sitting, they know they're sitting. Standing, you know you're standing. Walking, she knows she's walking. Very basic sanity. Things we often forget. You know, we're sitting and we're caught in worlds of uh, you know, projections and anticipations and uh, fabulation. Does that exist in English, this word? Fabrication. Sorry? Fabrication. Fabrication, yeah, good. Um, and uh, so being aware of the body in its posture. Oh, the body is sitting in a car. The body is standing by a street light, you know, a traffic light. And uh, so the posture, the breath, these are the uh, instructions of the Buddha. Be aware of the breath. The body's breathing. You can, you can connect with this. This is a doorway. 
doorway to what? Being aware of the breath, you'll notice in what state the meditator is or the breather is. You know, you'll notice it's a way to check in. You know, um, activities. You know, uh, in the text you read, uh, unfolding the arm, they know they're unfolding the arm. It's not just, you know, so it's not just compulsive, habitual, it's awake. Um, So posture, breath, uh, activities of the body, senses, we've talked a lot about this here, staying at the contact point. You know, at the door, at the sense door, and so for us human beings, there's a contact with reality. The eyes see something, and usually, the way it goes for human beings, there's a contact, there's a conception. Oh, Sue is sitting. You know, like I look, it's unavoidable. Huh? There's a there's a contact with something. It makes sense. It's good. It helps us go back home at night. You know, otherwise, it would be just colors and shapes. You know. <laughs> It's good. It's good that with the contact, there's a conceiving of the world. But it's also a tricky thing that happens. So there's a contact, there's a conceiving, and for human beings, often, it's followed by proliferation. Oh, my opinion, my preference about this, how it's going to turn out, what it will look like later. You know, you hear a thing. There's a contact. You know, it's a cow or it's a truck. You know, it's a good thing. You know, but then we go. Oh. Blah, 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 blah. And so one practice is to stay at the point of contact, to not create so much uh, proliferation around stuff. You know? Oh, pain in the knee. Oh my God, my pain in the continues. You know? But there's an, there's an experience here, we can stay here and learn how to be in contact, in relationship with that experience. So sim- there's a simplification here. And then when we need to you know, think about something, it's not like, oh, never think again, you know. (laughs) And when we need to think about something, instead of doing it habitually, compulsively, obsessively, we might be able to choose. Let me think about this for a moment. We might be able to go in there well accompanied, you know, with calm, with body, with breath, with values, with care, with uh, space, silence, you know, for new creative ideas, new understanding to arise. Um, And so body is one area that we can be aware of. And then there's the the whole field of mind states, so the sixth sense, if you will, in Buddhist psychology. So here we put a lot of attention on this. Noticing the state of the mind. Extremely simple, in a way. The instructions of the Buddha in the Satipatthana Sutta very simple in a way. When the mind is concentrated, know the mind is concentrated. When the mind is scattered, know the mind is scattered. Otherwise, somebody else will be aware of it. <laughs> you know? That's my little ad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay, it happens, for sure, you know. When the mind is uh, spacious, know the mind is spacious. When the mind, heart, inner world is tight, uh, self-loathing, know it's tight, self-loathing. When it's kind, know it's kind. So presence, absence of mind state, arising of mind state, oh, I feel impatience rising, you know, becoming aware of it. It might just at least limit the damage, you know. Instead of being completely unconscious, maybe we'll just, you know, we'll say one sentence instead of two, or the tone will be a little contained, you know, so that we don't have to fix a lot of stuff on the other side. And so awareness of body in all the forms that I've mentioned, awareness of the mind state, uh, and... um, Awareness of uh, the experience of pleasure and displeasure and neutrality, neither one or the other. So it's been very much part of the weekend here. This was going on all the time. For human beings, that's just the nature of this reality. 
we're sensitive in a way that things are not only uh, loud or seen or heard or tasted, they also come with that tonality of being pleasurable or displeasurable or neither. It makes a huge difference for human beings. If we put that on mute, we wouldn't recognize reality. We would be like, oh, it's strange, I can't recognize this, you know? Because it's so much part of everything. You have a thought, it's a pleasant thought, it's an unpleasant thought, or it's a neutral talk thought, you know? It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. You have an emotion, you know? It's pleasant, or it's an unpleasant emotion, or there's a mind state and you can't say it's either pleasant nor unpleasant. So there's a variation in this. The whole day, it just varies all the time. Um, and sometimes in our lives, the situations are such, uh, inwardly or outwardly, such that we're exposed to a lot of unpleasantness. You know? uh, and so we can become aware of this, because often for human beings, we're not aware of it, we're just reacting to it. I want to keep this, I want to keep this, you know. And so here, the uh, something we can do, we can work on this, we can train this, we can bring interest to this as we're living. You could take a week. Maybe this week will be integration of all this, but you know, in a few weeks you could say, ah, this week, let me just follow this. I was reading um, a biography of, um, I think it was Ajahn Moon, who a, was a really revered um, uh, uh, monastic from the Thai first tradition. There's a big book, if I remember well, it's in there. And Ajahn Moon is talking about uh, his practice and his uh, awakening and describing this. And I think in the, in the book, at some point, he describes one fellow practitioner. And he's talking, I think, about this, uh, this monk. And he's saying, this very dedicated monk, very, very attentive, following these instructions that we're talking about, you know, not living with the lenses of me and what I want and putting down these lens and looking at body is sitting, body is walking. Oh, it's agreeable, it's disagreeable. Oh, mind is agitated, mind is calm. You know, so that frame of reference in the relationship to experience. And uh, Ajahn Moon described that this particular monk decided at some point to take for two weeks only an, I'll call it an analysis, it's an investigation in terms of mindf mindfulness, like being there for, interested in the appearance, the disappearance, the presence, the absence of only that feeling tone of pleasantness and unpleasantness and neutrality. And I remember I read this many years ago and it was kind of uh, really... And he was saying he took this on and he really took this on and his mind was stable. He had trained his mind. His mind was not just caught in opinions and this and that, you know. He had cleared, he had made that clearing, you know. That is that easy to do, you know. And then he applied his uh, mindfulness that was sharp to this and he said in two weeks he was, his mind was totally freed from false understanding, you know, about the reality of things being dependable, conditional, and uh, fluctuating, you know. And in this way, liberated from hope that it would be comfortable, you know, hope that it would stay, you know. This was cleared deeply, you know. He didn't expect that. He had seen it for himself very clearly. This is extremely unstable. You can't rely on this, but as a way to meet it, you know, that agreeable things can be felt and uh, they can wash through and there, there's a real gratification, it's true, you know, but clinging to it, will, to it to stay or to get it, will be very painful. So that's something we can be aware of, and you know, if you're experiencing something, if, and the instruction is valid for, for me too, so when experiencing something uh, unpleasant, it could be really, really uh, good to notice this is disagreeable. It's hard for human beings to be with disagreeable sensations, feeling, ideas. So this can be the birth of care. You know? 
Um, anyway, not easy. <laughs> so integrating practice in life, that's maybe one of the main points I would like to make, is to we can actually f- discover on that, oh, it can come here, it could be here, as I'm doing this, as I'm doing that. I invite you to be interested in that aspect of discernment, the recognition for opportunity. And when you feel it, when you experience it, you recognize, ah, I just recognize an opportunity that was talked about in the text a thousand years ago. You know, it's, it's part of the development of practice. So this. Um, We were talking a little bit this morning with um, Muriel about uh, uh, integration of uh, practice. And, uh, and uh, she was saying that, uh, I think, uh, uh, through teaching to kids, uh, she had brought, um, uh, you know, these little bubbles that you do like this. And so with kids, t- for them to watch the bubbles, uh, you know, and stay there until they burst. You know? And uh, Muriel was telling me, can I share this? That sometimes in the morning at breakfast she does a little bit of it. So a creative way to, uh, to, to do this. And, uh, and talking about this, I said, oh, I remember teaching with uh, Marv, um, uh, my God, I forget Marv's name, but anyways, a teacher at... Uh, in this tradition, and he teaches at uh, UCLA at the uh, Mark Mindfulness and Awareness Research Center. Be- Belzer, Mar- uh, Marvin Belzer, and uh, mm-hmm. Marvin. We did many, many years of teen retreats, and uh, for him, like one of the things that he really loved teaching was um, uh, mindful uh, hula hooping. And really, he was, and he was very serious about mindful hula hooping, you know, because that was an embodied practice. And so there was an aspect of creativity. And you might think, like, oh my God, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's actually. I think it's actually very, very wise, you know, for embodiment and uh, presence and uh, and uh, make the mind playful. And I mean, in there, there's everything, you know, because then the mind will start maybe comparing. Or wanting another experience, that, that, you know, the whole of the Dharma is there. Yeah. Sometimes I would go and spend like, a couple of times. I had the chance to st- spend a few days with Dr. Tintin, who's a, a, a Burmese American a Burmese uh, teacher, and uh, with her we would never sit. That was not how she was trained in Burma. There was never any sitting. We would cook. We would garden. Uh, we would read the newspaper. But this was formal practice. Like it was very, and uh, it was very, very. Um, I loved doing it. It was. Uh, she had a deep knowledge of the Dharma, and it was right there. So she would do something like we would all be like this, you know, sitting at the table, and she would take the newspaper and lift the newspaper. And I remember, uh, I could watch my mind because one time the newspaper she took was the format. I could recognize it was trash news. You know. And I got kind of opinionated, you know, like my, my body tensed, you know, and she's like, can you notice? What can you notice? You know, this is mindfulness in action. This is Dharma in action. And then she opened the newspaper and she just said, in Texas. And then she stopped and I could see again, I had an opinion about what was coming. Of course, you know, it's, you know, and then she would just read a few sentences and see, watch your mind, you know. And, you know, and we would stand up and go cook, and, you know, and, and she would say, okay, so now it's just feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, just track that, you know, and then you would track that as you're cooking, you know, oh, the other shouldn't cut, cut the onions in this way, that's not the way you cut onions, you know, oh, opinions, unpleasant, not getting what I want, you know, and so that's the integration of, uh, of practice. So yeah, there's creative ways to do it, and there's the all the daily life activities are opportunities to actually wake up to the experience. Okay, any questions or comments uh, about uh, the integration of uh, practice? 
Let's wait to see if there's other voices we haven't heard. Is it okay with you? Yes. Uh, you have a recommendation for a, a length of practice outside of a retreat, like a per day or something? Yeah, a formal practice. Formal practice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because practice can be formal, and then there's the informal practice, the being alive. Yeah, both. both yeah. You have recommendations for both. Well, for, the, for formal, I would say maybe start with five more minutes than you do already. So if you do zero, start with the five minutes every day for a couple of weeks, establish this, then build on this. Yeah? That's, uh, that would be a really good add-on add in your life. Um, for the informal practice, a friend of uh, mine was... Uh, had the chance to spend a day uh, with Utejinia, a teacher in this tradition that is very uh, respected. And uh, he said he was really happy to tell uh, uh, Sayada that uh, he, uh, he had established a practice of, uh, I think it was something like two hours a day, like one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. After many years of practice, this was established. You know? And uh, he said, so I practiced two hours a day, one in the morning, one in the, in the evening. And Utejinia went like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you're going to have to do it uh, from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed. You know, there's, there's no other way around that. So that, and he said that was very uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's the word in English for that, but, uh, and, but he said after he reflected on it, and he said it had an impact. And, this, this is a woodworker, and he said that in his shop now, in his workshop, you know, it kind of made this kind of a temple, you know, or like a place where su suddenly, like, it was clear that he needed to be particularly present. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so what we're doing is exploration. Huh? We're we're doing trials and errors and finding out for ourselves. That's what the Buddha did for himself, also. And so, there's this aspect of you know, it could be that you'll deny for a while, and then you'll discover you deny. There's denial, you know. So, so I don't want to take that risk away. It's part of the the exploration. You know, and, and so there's all kinds of things we see like this, like somebody will become so quiet and at some point they'll go like, the f world seems removed, you know. <laughs> so it's not, they, they took, there's a little bit of a wrong curve, but mindfulness will reveal this, you know. So somebody will say like, I'm, I feel actually dissociated, the practice led me to be a little removed and that's not what we want, we want to be vibrant. So then that's the, the discernment and the attention will will reveal that we're going in the wrong direction. And maybe the conversation 
with the teacher can help in this way. So, so that's really part of what you're going to be trying is maybe see, um, you know. Uh, so for myself, for example, I, I see that I have very often uh, practice what I would call at this point, I might change my mind later, but um, skillful denial, you know. So there's something that I learn and I feel like I'm exhausted, it's the end of the day, I can't deal with this, so I'm going to deny this. But the next day when I wake up, I've slept well, okay, so this is happening. Now I feel resourced, I can actually meet that thing, you know. So it feels to me like it's a good way to live. It feels, it feels like uh, appropriate to do that, you know. Um, so that's kind of a kind of denial, you know. I remember somebody was uh, on a long retreat that I was, uh, uh, I was part of the teaching team, and this person had a lot of, um, a lot of uh, chronic um, pain. And this person uh, was telling us, you know, I actually spent a lot of hours with this uh, pain here in the silence, with nothing happening. You know, there's a lot of hours. I put a lot of hours. It's draining. One thing that I know could help for me is if I was able for a few hours to check out. And the best way for me to check out is to watch an American comedy. <laughs> and so it was at the time where Netflix, you know, you would send a CD and you would receive another in the mail like this and so during the three month retreat we started uh, uh, or you know ordering movies like I, I go on the website and I'll check all the American comedies you know, and they would come every day or two days there would be a comedy and I would just like slip the, the CD to the person they would watch it and they were able to stay for three months and do really amazing work but uh, 24 hours would have been too much you know and so that was taking off the edge. They knew, you know, like, I can do this because later I'm going to check out and <laughs> look at a stupid story that's going to make me laugh, you know. So I'm telling you, like, a, almost an extreme story because I've never met many of these. But, um, but these are kinds of things that, uh, you know, can, can be helpful. So the, the bigger uh, kind of art or science of meditation around this, the way I understand it, is that um, being with something difficult is very difficult. It's draining, you know, and uh, it takes a lot of courage and also energy. So it's actually very skillful to be able to, um, to exp you know, find uh, uh, things that are nurturing, appeasing. I've talked about this here. So, you know, so at some point, instead of a sit, if it's too intense, go walk in the woods and let the, the pain of the heart or the pain of the body be held by nature, you know, and, uh, and then we get a little refresh and we can come back, you know, so there's something like this, you know, go rest, go see nature, uh, metta, you know, offering wishes of well-being to oneself when it's accessible, you know, these things are, they're unstable, they're not, there's not always nature, there's not always uh, bed, there's not always metta, it's not always available, so depending on what's there. The other thing I mentioned to you, but that's that's not easy to do. But at some point, the conditions might be right, and they're not always right. But there's a moment, maybe in our life, where we've seen something many, many times. We've seen it. We, and we don't need to soak in it anymore. We've gotten all the information. And so there might be a movement in the psyche that doesn't. That's the gesture I used from the Buddha. It's like, no. We don't talk like this in this mind to this being. We've seen the damage. We've clarified that. No. I'm not going to sit here listening to self-hatred. You know? no. Another gesture I showed you is the Buddha touching the ground. You know, he was assailed by doubt. Who do you think you are? You're never going to get, you know, this and that. And what he did is he touched the ground. I have the right to be here. At some point, discernment like brings wisdom and you know clarity. That's a false view, period. You know. But this, we have to gather the conditions. You know, the clarity it has to be made clear for us. You know. So, is that a little helpful? Okay. okay. Yes. Uh Many years ago, I saw in a book, a Buddhist book, uh, an image of a triangle, 
with uh, one image was a triangle with arrows going out, and the other image was same triangle with arrows going inside. And I don't know what, but um, this image stayed in my mind, and I couldn't figure out exactly what it meant, you know. And when you said in this retreat, uh, gathered or scattered, mm -hmm. this image just came back in my mind, mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, this is it, you know, gathered in the triangle mm -hmm. or scattered. Yeah. And I like this because uh, it reminds me that it's important to be uh, gathered, and I find it's much easier to be gathered in a retreat <laughs> because it's slow, because it's silent, because you know, and even then you can go scattered as well. And I, I believe what my question would be is, um, you know, how to how to be gathered also in the real the real world where everything goes very fast, where you meet people, you have stimuli everywhere, and you know. Uh, so you said you know go for a walk and everything, but in the action, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, more difficult to yeah. stay. Okay, what do I feel? What's my breathe, breathing? And you know, everything is it's, it's much faster. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that happens, I think, with the development of practice is it seems like things slow down. You know, we have an impression that, oh, I can be mindful in speech because it goes so fast. Mm -hmm. And then with, uh, you know, developing the skill, suddenly it's like, oh, I can be aware while I'm speaking of my intention, of my energy, you know. And it's uneven, maybe, but but these so so maybe time slows down a bit in the mm -hmm. practice. The other thing I'll say, so now you have a clear kind of clear view for research. It's great, you know. You have this image like this, like this. Now inside, how does it feel? So the instructions of the Buddha about this would be: notice the presence or absence of this, the different inaction. You know, like oh, this is it. Clarify this. It's not that it's wrong. Like make it clear. This is it. And what, how could it be more like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So being intrigued about this, being curious about this, investigative, is really the step towards discovery. So you being kind of enthusiastic about, you know, like your energy is like, wow, it makes sense, you know? Great, this is energy. So then you'll bring this exploration. Let me find out. Let me be aware when it's like this or when it's like that. And how can I you know, foster the movement from this to that, you know, and, uh, and then you'll discover many things, but there's, uh, I think it's its own practice to, to um, there's something to me about faithfulness, I think we abandon ourselves very, very easily, you know, something happened, I abandon, my, you know, mm. and there's a part of the practice is to learning to honor that there's a life here, that there's something here, and not, learn to not abandon it because you know, there's so much happening, or because uh, it's not going my way, or because others need, you know, faithfulness, you know, kind of a commitment to this experience here. It's not selfishness at all, you know, but it will actually help be present to others if I know, I'm, you know, if there's something. So a learning to honor this, foster this, cultivate this, invite this, will make sure that it will happen. You know. Okay. Then. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not quite sure how to work the question, but <coughs> something something to do with. Um, and, and, you know, I don't hear much uh, <coughs> language of healing in Buddhism. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any perspective on that, like how healing happens mm. in in meditation and in practice and you know whether that be from something particular in your life right like uh, you can point to and be like okay this is a wound that I hold um, and how you kind of move through that in particular right? mm -hmm. like because it does have particular contours it's not just always yeah. like I'm suffering mm -hmm. there are particularities or, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of very curious about if it was something much bigger than just us. Like, if we're, um, you know, part of 
part of a minority that has been afflicted and yeah. oppressed, right? Like, so there's kind of a wound that exists which is much bigger than our individual. Mm-hmm. And, and imposed. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm, I'm curious if that, the language of healing, yeah. you know, like how we come to heal from, from these things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, partly uh, how healing happens uh, here is... Um, is through uh, making the mind more um, flexible, more, you know. Um, I'm thinking of um, <clears throat> Catherine McGee. I remember once heard her, uh, hearing her say, um, you know, uh, transformation, which I'll transform into healing for this conversation. Transformation cannot happen in a rigid mind, you know. It's like this, I don't want it to be like this, you know, like it's, it's not going to happen. It's too, and so here we make, we create the inner conditions for healing, transformation to happen. So we uh, let go of our fascination for stories, and, we, and then we come in contact with the wounds, maybe. Yeah. And we learn how to hold, how to accept, how to feel the contour, how to become curious instead of you know, dismissive, denial, aversion, you know, we need to, we learn to care. So applying love, tenderness, being tenderized, humbled, all this makes the mind (coughs) flexible. This is a quality, it's it's a factor of mind, the pliability of the mind. And so then we can accept the situation, the, the story, the past, the incapacity to this or that, you know, the fragility of the system, and so in this, there's a lot of love, and there can be a healing. And healing is also like healing, is it that something goes? Or healing, you know, there's, there's this conversation, what is healing, you know? Um, I live with HIV, uh, I, I'm not, he- I'm healed, I feel healed, 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 healing. <laughs> you know, it's still there. You know, so, so to me it talks about the rapport with something. And maybe there can be something that can be uprooted, uh, can dissipate, change. But there might be also something that will stay there, you know. And then we're healed with this thing, you know, stucking from the side, you know, that makes this aspect of my life difficult, you know. But there's there's the adaptability of the mind. uh, Does that help? And if I talk, just because I don't want to leave this out about... um, oppression, that's what we're call, talking about, maybe privilege and oppression, then uh, I think here we learn to do a lot of the inner work, you know, which is important, but that's not at all, you know, oppression will continue if it's in the system. But, um, so for me, I'll talk just from my personal point of view as a gay man, so it's a particular marginalization that comes with a lot of privilege, because I'm a male, cis male, white, you know, uh, but this particular angle, uh, the practice has been extremely helpful for me to help heal this, heal, um, you know, uh, clarify the, uh, you know, the message that I get that I'm not supposed to be like I am or feel what I feel or do what I do and this kind of uh, message that keeps coming, you know, although it seems a little bit more distant these days, but I see it all the time, you know, it comes from Russia, it comes from, the, you know, from the whole rest of the world is really happy, and, and you know, and it's in my, in my heterocentric society, the message is a little bit more subtle, but still it's there, you know, and, but I've gained clarity. I went inside to check things, and I'm, I'm clear, I don't need others to agree. You know, there's something that's been clarified for me, that I don't, you know, so I don't feel that oppression in this way. Um, and there's a lot of work to do outside. And this, I think, might be also the work of the dominant group. So those who are not concerned by this are actually very concerned, by, should be very concerned by this. So for white folks, which seems like there's a dominance of this here, you know, the experience of people of color should, is our responsibility, you know. And so, as long as we're in denial, this will continue. You know. uh, for male, uh, the dominance of male in a society is male's problem. As long as male are rejecting this, that's why we come to places like this, so that we can actually suddenly open up to something we 
I've not been wanting to consider, you know. Um, one particular thing that I have been, uh, I've learned is that um, when we're in a marginalized group, it's very easy for us to um, recognize this. Huh? Women know they're women. Men tend to think that yeah, everybody has the same rights. You know? And women know that they're part of that group. You know, Trans people know that uh, cis people, they're like, what is cis? I don't even know <laughs> what is cis. You know, cisgender, like, I, I, it's all, we're all the same, you know. So, and so to actually become aware of the dominant groups that we belong to is really, uh, uh, really, uh, it's not a given. You know, it takes a lot of sensitivity and a willingness to consider this. And so we tend to identify with the minority we belong to. And when we're in a dominant group, we, we, it's really hard for us. So for me, that's really central dharma we're talking about. You know, it's not something on the side. This is suffering and the end of suffering. And so recognizing uh, where we have privilege and not uh, freak out about it, like deny it or feel guilty about it or, you know, want to put everything equal, you know, just to recognize this. So there's a part of work of uh, oppression that is not the work of the oppressed. Will it happen? I can't say. Because there's a lot of privilege, not, you know, the privilege of not being aware that your privilege is, uh, keeps privilege in place. You know. So it's, it's extremely tricky, but uh, there's hope. So what we'll do now is uh, we'll take um, a pause for maybe 15 minutes. We'll come back at, uh, at uh, 10.50. Maybe we'll ring the bell a few minutes before. And, uh, and what we'll do is we'll uh, bring the field of um, awareness of, uh, of body, emotions, feeling tone in, uh, in the exchange with another. And so we'll make little triads, little groups of three, and we'll three, and we'll have little exchanges, little sharings, and uh, it'll be a kind of a practice debriefing, and uh, it'll be really uh, uh, ritualized in a way, you know, like uh, with the bell, and I'll I'll lead this, and we'll be able to exchange a little bit about practice and learn what happened to the other, learn to listen, or, or practice listening. And then uh, we'll do a big, large group, and a big circle, ending circle, and we'll see what's going to arise from that. Okay? If you don't want to participate in the in the little triad, it would it would be fine. Uh, I'd like to honor this, and I encourage you to participate, because sometimes oh, it's scary, but most people have survived. <laughs> <laughs> So the break is in silence, if it's okay with you. We'll keep, uh, so be uh, really careful with this, and uh, we'll come back in 15 minutes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.